0: Praise and worship, team. Praise and worship. Thank you all so much. Um, I don't know, am I on? Uh, Are you guys hearing me like that? Awesome. Well, uh, good morning, family. Good morning. And to those of us who are watching via television or the internet, good morning. Good morning. It's a privilege and an honor to be with you this morning. And I will say this, this is not Satan. This was an errant layup in the concrete. But I'll tell you this. um, My wife reminded me uh, this morning, I told her, I said, you know, there's something to this particular message because, you know, in that spiritual warfare battle, you know, there were forces that didn't want this message to be shared. So my prayer is that it will bless our hearts. It will give us some guidance, some instruction That we might grow closer to God, and come to that place to where we are able to introduce others to Him who are out there lost and perishing and dying. So that's my prayer. Um, Can we bring the lights up? I can't see everyone. All right. um, Well, let's go ahead and get started. Let's go ahead and get Isaiah 50, verse four and five, up, please. One, two, ready, go. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Join me in prayer if you will. Father God, good morning Abba. I thank You for the opportunity to gather with Your people, with Your bride. I pray that You have tilled every heart, tilled my heart, made our hearts fertile soil for Your Word, that it might bear much fruit. Have Your way in this place, Holy Spirit. Just as our pastor prays, hide me behind the cross. That they would not hear or see me, but they would see you. And that we would all be drawn closer to you. You're so good to us. Have your way in this place. And I thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Alright, so um, before I dive into it this morning... Um, I just want to encourage us, you know, whenever I get the opportunity uh, to speak, the, the gravity of what we do when we stand here always weighs really heavy on me. And something that I keep in mind when I'm seated there and I'm hearing God's Word is that we must take what we are hearing and apply it, you know, it, we, we waste time. We get no stars in heaven for coming to church. But God's Word calls for us to be doers and not hearers only. So just a reminder, um, let's make sure that we are internalizing this and applying it. You know, we wouldn't consider a university successful if the people just constantly came and they were always learning and learning and learning, but they never got out there in the real world and applied what they were learning. So that's my encouragement to you. And that being said, um, I'm going to give a shameless plug and a humble plea to you. Make sure you're here on Wednesday evenings. If you cannot be here on Wednesday evenings, I encourage you, if you have Facebook, go ahead and follow the Art Fellowship so that you can see Pastor Roy's sermons. I affectionately call them throne room teaching. And if you, if you come just one Wednesday, or um, he started a series, uh, The Crucified Life, dying to all that is Adam. Mind-blowing. And if you're missing it, you're missing it. So I encourage you, go back. You're not too late. He just started this past Wednesday. Go back and see that one. And if you can make it Wednesday night, make it. If you can't, set an alarm on your phone that the following Thursday, you're going to make sure that you watch it. Because everything that you're hearing here, it's all interwoven. And the real focus is to to really guide us to being people that God can use to bring others to Him. That's the bottom line. That's why we do all this. Alright? Alright, so um, that being said, um, our focus today is Responses in the Wilderness responses in the wilderness so whenever you um, you hear of wilderness experiences um, in God's word that's usually um, a time of intense experiences um, for instance you know you have those that uh, desperate need if you think of the Israelites um, in the wilderness and that desperate need for food for sustenance for for guidance, And God provided that food by the, the manna and quails, and He provided that guidance by uh, the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. Um, isolation. There, those wilderness times you may feel extremely lonely, and you think of Elijah, and God had to remind him, oh, woe is me, there's nobody left, and I've got 7,000 that haven't been there to Baal. You know, but in that isolation, that's where Elijah heard that still, small voice. Um, in the wilderness, there was those times of uh, danger and divine deliverance. When you think of um, Hagar and Ishmael, even though Ishmael wasn't the son of promise, God did not abandon them. He still provided, you know, that, that deliverance for them. And then you think of... Um, The wilderness, there are those times of renewal and encounters with God. And we think of Moses and that burning bush, and that's where God revealed Himself um, as I Am. And then Mount Sinai. So whenever we think of the wilderness, ultimately, it's a time of trying and tribulation. Could we agree on that? And I'll say this. Um, it's not weakness or it doesn't show a lack of faith to acknowledge that this is a very tough time. This is a heavy situation. That's not a lack of faith. If we think, right now, I'm pretty sure as I've begun and I've opened here, you've thought of some wilderness situations in your life where it was heavy. And hopefully, by the time I get to the end of my time with you, you'll be able to see why, like in in a particular wilderness situation my wife and I faced. You know, after about four months, we lost our first child miscarriage. And that's a dark time. And I didn't run from it and say, well, you know, oh, well, this isn't happening and super-spiritualize everything. I gripped the back fence to our backyard and I said, I still trust you! He still trusts you! I didn't run from it. But in the midst of that, I came to the place where I still trusted Him. I had hopes and dreams. My wife had hopes and dreams built on that child. In four months, you can build a lot of hopes and dreams, you know. But in the midst of that, I grew closer I would say that we grew closer. Not just to God, but to one another. So there's nothing wrong with acknowledging that tribulation times come. In all honesty, um, in fact, we're promised that we will face difficulties. Check out John uh, 16.33 with me, if you will. John 16.33 reads, These things I have spoken to you, That in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And everyone's aware of who's speaking there, right? That's Jesus. That song that our uh, team sung, Tremble, I love that song. You know, puts that emphasis on Jesus. So He's promised us that we will have tribulation. However, I I encourage you, though these tribulations, these wilderness moments will come, they are not in vain. And God doesn't waste a single thing. And I would encourage us, don't waste the wilderness moments. Check out Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5 with me. Romans chapter five verses three through five say and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations that's a difficult place to be in because I'm pretty sure you would agree with me that our flesh, the human in the natural human response is to complain in times of difficulty and trouble, yea or nay yeah but As we grow in Christ, as we find that solitude in Jesus, we can come to a place to where we glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, that continuing, that staying power, and perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit was given to us. So in the midst of these tribulations, the ultimate outcome, God's desired outcome for us, is the development of hope. And it is possible because of the love of God and His Holy Spirit. So that's ultimately what I hope we will see by, our, by the end of our time together here today. Is that we can have hope even in the midst of tribulation and wilderness experiences. All right, so that being said, um, I always find, um, those of you who know me, you know I was a teacher, and I always found that the best way you can show something is to show a dichotomy. You can really get a really clear understanding of what something should be if we have a real clear understanding of what it should not be as well. Does that make sense? That's, that's what the whole dichotomy piece is. We had a really awesome brother in Christ um, at our church when we went to uh, church in Conroe, Elder Baker. Um, he once told me something that I've really clung to. He said, every single person you meet, every experience, you're going to learn one of two things. You're either going to learn what to do or what not to do. So I'm hoping that in our dichotomy today as we um, as we go through our time together. Is that we'll walk away with what we should not do. And what we should do in response to wilderness situations in our lives. Um, so first, let's take a look at Israel's response to the wilderness. So, we know that... Um, Moses God used Moses to tell Pharaoh you got to let my people go in dramatic fashion he delivered them in on multiple fronts and so they get into the wilderness and uh yeah it's not really the happiest of times it's a difficult time so check out uh, Exodus 16:2 through 3 with me so we can get an understanding of what Israel's response was to the wilderness, Exodus chapter 16, verses 2 through 3 read, Then the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. There we sat by pots of meat, and when we ate bread to the full... For you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Can you hear it? That spirit of complaint? Oh, I see us. We're all sitting there. How dare they? When we know there have been times when we've embraced that same spirit, that same mentality of complaint. I'm going to submit to you that this is probably the example of how we should not respond. And I'll say this, when we're in wilderness moments, there are going to be, there are temptations. So you can see for the Israelites here, their temptation was to look back to those things. Oh man, we had it so good when we weren't following God. We had, we had meat, we had bread, and we ate to the full. And you don't focus on the bondage. You notice they don't say anything about the bondage. We forget that. And I think for us, when we come into those wilderness um, situations, there are temptations to turn to the things that brought a false sense of, of peace or comfort or hope. Whether that be whatever was in your former life before you submitted your life To Jesus the Christ and began to walk with God. Whether that's sex, alcohol, drugs, pornography, pride, whatever those things were, that that we felt like, you know, yeah, this is what brings me peace. This is what brings me comfort. And I submit to you that that's probably, uh, not probably, that's definitely not the route we need to take. Um, If you take a look and you think about Proverbs, Proverbs says that the backslider in heart will be filled with all of his own ways. But a good man is satisfied from above. The problem with the Israelites, and I submit to you, when we have that desire to turn back to things that God delivered us from and said, this is not for you. This is not to be a part of your life. The problem with the Israelites was that their heart was still in Egypt. Their bodies, their their families, everybody was following God's leading to the promised land, but their hearts still longed for the things of bondage. Let us not be that way. And And it's not you know saying oh well i'm super duper guy and there are moments but when that moment that temptation to say you know what things were so much easier when i wasn't following god things were so much better when this and that to really rein yourself in and say father god help me to look to you to look above to be to answer this this pain this situation this wilderness moment that i'm in so that we do not fall prey to that temptation to turn back to things of the past. Does it make sense? Where are your hearts? Let our hearts not be found back in bondage. Hmm. So this, uh, this wilderness thing, that uh, sounds pretty heavy, huh? I-, I promise you, listen, I promise the end of this, we're all going to be smiling. We're all going to shout for joy. Okay. But as far as the wilderness is considered, we 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 have an understanding here that, that wilderness moments happen. We have an understanding that those are times of tribulation and trying. But I submit to you that there is a reason for the wilderness. There is a reason for the wilderness. If you will um, when I, uh, when I served as an assistant principal <clears throat> and the amazing teachers that I served as you know in, in, in that leadership role, it was my job to um, apply the appraisal system to them. And I got a lot of positive feedback from those I served because there were some what we call in uh, the education world some crucial conversations that I had to have. But I always started at the beginning and through the entire process letting them know that I want you to keep in mind, even though we may have to have some crucial conversations to make some changes, I will never apply this as a gotcha. I will always apply this as a grow you. So when we think about wilderness situations in our lives and we think about the wilderness, I want us to understand that there is a reason for the wilderness to help us kind of conceptualize that if you will turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 8 verses 15 through 16. Deuteronomy 8:15 through 16. And it reads, who led you through the great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty land where there was no water. Who brought water for you out of the flinty rock who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know. And here's the reason. I want you to catch this. That He might humble you and that He might test you. Why? To do you good in the end. To do you good in the end. I encourage us. Let us, not be, careful, let us be careful to not bemoan or complain the wilderness situations. Because the the trick to that is when we get caught up in bemoaning and complaining, we have our mental capacity, our spiritual um, status or state is not in a place to where we can say, Father God, why? Show me why. I am a willing student under this difficult time. Please show me what you would have me take away from this. Because ultimately, to humble you, to test you, to do you good in the end, God is trying to show you some things. In that wilderness situation, He may be showing you there are some things in your heart that need to be purged out because you cannot take that stuff that's in your heart to the promised land that I have for you. You cannot go to the place to where I I have for you to to minister to the needs of those around you with this stuff in your heart. Maybe that wilderness situation is to purge some things out. Or maybe we've been walking real close and you're like, oh my gosh, I, you know, I, I don't feel like I've done anything. We get to that place where we're like, oh, you know, what sin did I do that brought me to this place where you know, I'm in this difficult time? Maybe it's just, I stepped away from that intimacy with God. I began to feel as though I could do it on my own. Maybe that wilderness place is where I can learn to lean on Him fully and only again. And I'll say this, um, wilderness moments can be chastising from God in our lives. Now, you know, for some circles, that's difficult to hear because I firmly believe that the punishment for our sins were placed on Jesus Christ. And He took every single one of them for Mike and for everyone in this room, for everyone who will trust in His sacrifice. The punishment for our sins were upon Him. But I'll say this to you. I want you to think about it. Everybody's familiar. Everybody's sitting here. I'm pretty sure we've heard. God loved Jacob and he hated... Say it again. He hated Esau. But how did that play out? How was the hatred, and let's say it for what it is. You know, a lot of times we want to use euphemisms and pretty it up and soften it up says hated Esau. How was that demonstrated in God's Word? It was demonstrated by the fact that he let Esau just do Esau. He let Esau just be Esau. But Jacob, how did he show that he loved Jacob? Well, I tell you, he chastised Jacob. I'm pretty sure that limp he walked with, I'm not going to have a limp from this, but you know we're, we're limping right now, but he walked with a limp because he wrestled with God. Because God would not let him go. Sure, it's great. Nice houses, nice cars, nice jobs, all this stuff, that's great. And God desires to give good gifts to His children. I believe that firmly. But I will tell you this, God is far more concerned with us being sanctified, being purified, and becoming And being made into the image of His Son, Jesus the Christ. That is what God is concerned with. And He shows His love to us in that chastening. Because God's Word says He chastens those that He loves. So when we experience those wilderness moments, can we come to the place to say, Father God, what do you want me to take away from this? show me what you don't want in my life or show me what you do want in my life and I am not doing because I know that your chastening is because you love me. Now once again, I'm not saying that every wilderness moment is chastening. Don't get that confused. But if it is, what can we take away from it? Not bemoaning the difficult situation. Not complaining about it. But pressing in and seeking God's face even more. Because of the difficult situation. Cool. All right. So we've agreed that wilderness situations are going to come. And those wilderness situations are usually times of tribulation, times of trying. And you can think about it as you're sitting there, you've thought about it. You know, this particular thing that has happened or is happening in my life, this might be one of those wilderness points. And we saw that Israel's response was to complain, to bemoan. But let me ask once again, even though they complained and they bemoaned the wilderness, was God still merciful to them? Do you know why? not because of Israel. It's because God is good and His mercy endures forever. But let me ask this. Is it possible to respond to the wilderness in a correct way? We're seeing that their response was incorrect. Is there a correct way to respond to the wilderness? I submit to you that yes, there is. So let's take a look. What was Jesus' response in his wilderness experiences? If you will, just to get some uh, context here, uh, turn to Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 8 with me. Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. And it says Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. Key points here, who led him into the wilderness? The Holy Spirit. There was a purpose for him going into the wilderness. Something that happens in wilderness situations. It was to be what? Tempted. And in those days he ate nothing, and afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment in time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you, and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Was Satan lying when he said that? No. God had allowed him that. Actually, wouldn't say God, we'll go back, Adam and Eve, we basically gave that control and that authority, that dominion over to Him because it was initially given to us, but through sin, Satan did have, spiritually speaking, legal right to offer that to Jesus. Therefore, if you will worship before Me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind Me, Satan, for it is written... You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only shall you serve. Now, I'm pretty sure, uh, we're looking, don't forget, what we're looking for here is what is the right response to wilderness moments. And I'm pretty sure somebody out there, maybe somebody out there in television or internet land, you said, well, yeah, Brother Mike, but Jesus was God. Jesus is God. And you're absolutely right. But Jesus was fully man and fully God. And I'll say this, what was Jesus' response? What was the repetition that you heard? It is written. But you see, Jesus' preparation for being able to respond with, It is written, began back in Luke chapter 2. Because if you'll remember in Luke chapter 2, his parents were frantically looking for him. And now that I am a parent, I know that that is a nerve-wracking situation for Mary and Joseph. Let me just say that on the front end. But when they found him three days later, do we recall where they found him? They found him in the temple. And he was sitting among the teachers. And he was listening to them and asking questions. So Jesus had a pattern of growing closer to the Father via His Word. So that when He did come to His wilderness moment or wilderness moments, He was able to respond with, It is written. And I'll say this. um, It gets dark in the wilderness. Would we agree on that? If you've ever had a wilderness moment. It feels alone. It feels dark. And uh, I told my wife I was going to share this. and um, she's, She had to look it up because she didn't believe me, but my hometown in Alabama <clears throat> has the highest point in the state of Alabama, which is Mount Chee-ha, Um And she errantly calls it Mount <laughs> Um But And this was probably 98, 99 before everybody had a cell phone in their pocket. And a group of friends that I grew up with, I had left for the military, but I came home for the weekend, so we went um, hiking at Mount Cheeha, and we didn't consider the cost. We didn't consider the timing. So we went to the top, we hiked up 3,600 feet, and... um, my friend Matt that we were with there's about 7 of us <clears throat> and Matt um was is a is an eagle scout or was an eagle scout when he was a kid and we were all grown at this time and he let us he's like hey yeah we messed up we're all like what is it man it's beautiful up here yeah mountaintop experiences you know and he said yeah we're going to lose daylight and i was like So, he's like, yeah, we need to start moving now. So we started back down the mountain to get to where we had parked. And it hit us. In that darkness, in the wilderness, when that sun goes down, there is no light. But I'll say this, and in that particular example, because of Matt's familiarity with that area, and skills that he had as an Eagle Scout through the Boy Scouts. We made it back. And I'll tell you this, I never was so happy to see a light in all my life. (laughs) When we got to the place to where we had parked our cars, there was one street light there. uh, But we trusted Matt. All the rest of us, we would have been lost without him. And that's just an example to me that even in that darkness of the wilderness moments we may be in, Jesus promised us that He would send a what? He would send a comforter. And we can trust, just like all seven of us had to trust Matt, that He could get us, you know, back to where we were parked, back to light. When we are in those wilderness moments, let us keep in mind and be reminded that Jesus sent His comforter, His Holy Spirit, that we might be guided because He, had the, he has the knowledge. He has what we must do, what we must be to get to the light, to get to where Jesus wants us to be. And I'll say this, um, in our right response to the wilderness, Jesus used the Word. And if we keep in mind, you know, Thy Word, Is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Let us always remember that. And it's weird if you think about it. If you're in total darkness and the light is a light unto your path, I mean a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path, I'm not holding it here. Why would I hold it right here at my path and at my feet? Because that means I'm going to have to take one step at a time. And if we have that Holy Spirit taking that one step at a time, we can do so in faith. And if we have the Word of God to illuminate the path, we won't be lost. Does it make sense? So I'll say this We saw the Israelites' response. It's the wrong response. We saw Jesus' response of, It is written. The more we spend that time with God, the more we spend time in God's Word, we can get to that place to where our response will be, It is written. When sorrow tries to come in like a flood and our hearts are broken, we can say, It is written! That the joy of the Lord is my strength. Lord, I need your joy in this moment. When you lost your job and you don't know how you're going to pay your bills, your response in this wilderness moment can be, it is written that my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. When fear tries to creep its ugly head in, your response can be, it is written He has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. I need You, Father. I need You. That can be our response. And if that is our response, then we can come to the place to where we can be still and know that God. We can be still and know that God is our Jehovah Jireh, our Provider. We can be still and know that God is our deliverer. We can be still and know that by His stripes, we are healed. We can be still and know when our response is, it is written. But I see a disrespectful clock back there. Um... I told you that by the end of our time together, we would end with some smiles on our faces. That's my desire. We don't want to think about the wilderness. We don't. We'd much rather have those mountaintop experiences. But I will say it's in those valleys. It's in those broken times. That if we can really come to that place of it is written. We will truly know. Become far more intimate with God. and Just like our pastor is currently really pressing us. And that's what it is for the year of 2023. For this house of believers. We will be those people who intimately know their God. And will do great exploits. So let's end with something that's going to make us smile. You okay with that? Can we do that? Alright. So take me, uh, if you will, join me in Isaiah 43. And I will get to those, and I apologize, Teresa. And uh, Teresa's amazing. She uh, put, this, put this all together. Um, but I'm going to read the first part of Isaiah 43. I want us to, to get that part, the 19. Just keep that up, if you will but I'm going to read off, and I know you got your Bibles with me. Isaiah 43, 1... Yeah, 1 through... Uh, yeah, just 1. Isaiah 43, 1 says, But now, this moment, but now, for this time in your life, thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and He who formed you, O Israel, fear not. Fear not. For I have redeemed you. This is your God speaking to you. He has redeemed you. I have called you by name. Hear His heart. Hear your Father's heart. Hear the Bridegroom's heart. You are mine. When we come to the place to where we can respond to the wilderness with, it is written, we can then rest and know that we are His. And 43.19 reads, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not, not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness. Even if you have to travel that road on a scooter. And rivers in the desert. He will provide a way out of your wilderness situation. Will you trust Him? Will you seek His face? For what you are to take away from this experience. And know Him. Know him. And I want to end with one last scripture and I want to just give a test. I want to see if we've been doing our reading. Who is the bridegroom when we think of God's word? Shout it out. Jesus. 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 Jesus, You make the darkness tremble. So Jesus is the bridegroom, right? Who is the bride? We are. So I want to end, if I may, with Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 5. It says, Who is this coming up from the wilderness, leaning upon her beloved? Bride of Christ, I humbly submit to you. In wilderness moment let us learn to lean on our beloved let us learn to lean on Jesus the Christ and keep in mind that this is not just about you the more we lean on the father the more we lean on Jesus the more we see what the answer to particular situations we are in are what are those answers so that when when we come through we come through with knowledge we come through with a surety so that we can reach out to someone who's perishing who's lost and dying and saying i was in the same situation but it is written it is written and you can know that it is written for you too it is written Let that be the way that we respond to wilderness situations. Will you join me in prayer? Father God, I thank You so much for Your Word. I thank You that You do not leave us stranded. That You do not leave us in wilderness situations. But You have promised that You will never leave us, nor forsake us, even in the midst of wilderness situations. So we thank You. We praise You. We praise You. Help us to come to the place at which our continual response to difficult circumstances is, It is written. We love You, Abba. We love You, Father. With every head bowed and every eye closed, those of you who are watching via the internet or via television, if you don't know Jesus, everything I just shared to you is nonsense. God's Word says that that the message of the cross is nonsense to those who are perishing. If you don't know Jesus, you will go out into eternity lost. And you will spend an eternity apart from God in hell. If you don't know Him, throw your hand up right now. If you don't know Jesus. Father God, I thank You that each and every soul that's here is saying that they know You. I pray that You would draw each and every one of us even closer this week even closer to you that we might be those people that you can use to do great exploits to reach the lost in these last days and right now I'm going to open up the altar um, my prayer partners if you will come forward I, um, I don't have as much mobility I want to open up the altar for those who you might you're, you're in a wilderness situation right now You feel as though you are in a wilderness situation. You feel like you just need prayer. Is there anyone...